Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hey guys, what's up? It's Jesse. Um, I did not expect that I would be doing a podcast on Tuesday. I did not expect to upload an episode uh, right now. Um, and that's why I don't have a guest today. It's just me. But I have been just laser focused on the, what we've seen from WWE over the last few days. And I all throughout today, I was trying my best to focus on my actual job and I was at work and I was, you know, focusing on what I had to do for my, my real job. But I kept thinking about all that was happening in WWE and this complete Scheudenfrude that has been happening in this company. So I just absolutely had to, you know, wrap when my work was wrapped up, record something on this. So I'm going to be talking about really two things. I'm going to be talking about Vince McMahon taking back control of WWE and really having a major influence on the creative end of the company over the last 48 hours. And I'm going to be talking about the decision for Cody Rhodes to have lost his match at WrestleMania 39 against Roman Reigns. And so I want to start with this. After night one of WrestleMania and well into night two, and well into the main event of night two of WrestleMania, I was thinking, you know what? WWE is not that bad. There are all these aspects of WWE, like the camera cuts and the way the announcers talk. And obviously the fan base can be really annoying. Um, and there are all these reasons to not like WWE. But I wasn't going to lie to myself. I really enjoyed WrestleMania night one. I thought a lot of the matches were good. I thought that the right person won pretty much every single one of the matches. People were talking about, you know, greatest night of WrestleMania ever, greatest WrestleMania ever. I'm not going to say that I, I can point to an, a single WrestleMania event that I thought is a better top to bottom show than WrestleMania 39 night one. I thought it was tremendous. Um, and so I was starting to think, you know, maybe um. Maybe I maybe I give WWE too hard of a time. I should be able to watch be able to watch the product and really appreciate you know these acts that are really over and these wrestlers who are really good and the action that they're happening. You know even even something like Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte, which was a match where I was not excited at all to see and I thought it was just this horrible build up to a match. When they when that match was over, I was like, damn, that was one of the best women's wrestling matches I've seen in the last few years. Um, so I was kind of ready to, I wouldn't say embrace WWE again, but to kind of understand that my impression of the company and my negative view on the company 
is maybe a little outdated. You know, I, you know, we can we can talk about Triple H, you know, not popping business and, and not being responsible maybe for the bloodline, which was put in place before his um, you know, before his time on top. But I had to give him his due. This was a well-built WrestleMania, and all of the decisions seemed to be the right decision to make. Um, when it comes to, in terms of winning who who to win each match and things like that. So I was ready to kind of view WWE in a new light. And I was about halfway through this main event and I was like, you know what? There, yeah, yeah, I don't like the pacing of the main event. And there's you know, it's just guys hitting big moves and it's kind of redundant and, and all that kind of stuff like that. But there was no denying that the crowd was super into it. It felt like this massive spectacle of an event. It felt like the biggest match in years. And that's because it was. And I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? This, you know, if Cody, right up until the spot where Cody, you know, he's fought off all of the uh, interference. He's, they did the spot where the Usos ran in and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens chased them off. And Sami Zayn gave Triple H a, halu- or, I'm sorry, gave Roman Reigns a haluva kick. And, uh, and, and Cody, you know, was hitting multiple of, of the crossroads on, on Roman. And I was like, damn, this is really well done. This is going to be a huge moment. And right up until that point, I was ready to kind of change my view on WWE. And then it happened. Right as they were about to culminate what it would have been a, just a truly excellent two nights of wrestling. And an excellent both night one and night two of WrestleMania couldn't help themselves they reverted back to the wwe that i had known the wwe that i had dismissed the wwe that i had no emotional investment in whatsoever and all they did was reaffirm my belief that wwe is best kept at an arm's length that you should never emotionally invest in any of these characters and that ultimately the company does not know who to push and what kind of in, in what kind of way to push those talents and it was un you know the 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 reaction online everyone talking about it like this is my my reaction was this is funny because again i i have no emotional attachment to cody rhodes winning the world title or anything like that but i was like i can't believe they fucked it up like i can't believe that they didn't just put cody over clean they got so close they had you know, this, you know, a very strong build over the last few weeks between Cody and Roman. They had the crowd eating out of the palm of their hand. They were ready to culminate this 1,000 day title reign of Roman Reigns was going to come to the end in the main event of WrestleMania. And Cody Rhodes is going to be the new hero of the company. And they had put everyone over earlier on both nights. That was kind of the right decision to put over someone. They had given the fans what they wanted all the way up until that point. And they fumbled the ball crossing the goal line and the ball rolls out of the end zone for a touchback. Just an unbelievably bad decision. Unbelievably bad decision. And it's not getting enough hate online, to be honest. Like it's getting criticism from, you know, a lot of fans on Twitter and it's getting a lot of criticism from people like me and and some of the other people in the Voices of Wrestling Network and in that kind of circle. But it's really not getting enough critical, um, uh, it's really not getting hit with the kind of criticism that I think it deserves to get hit on. And I'll touch on that in a minute. But just the energy of the building being sucked out of it and everyone standing there 
in shock. And I was, when I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is really funny, but maybe they're going to restart the match. You know, this is, it's like a reverse dusty finish. It would make sense. They're going to reverse the match and then Cody's actually going to win the title and it's all a storytelling device. And I said, I'm not going to laugh until the show is off the air. Because I'm not ruling out some sort of dusty finish. I guess I had a little enough enough faith in the decision making for that to be a possibility. And then, of course, the, you know Roman's got both titles and he's walking out, walking up the entrance ramp, and Cody's looking down in the ring, and someone threw a rubber chicken at him. Uh, and then it went off the air, and I was like, I okay, okay, I was close, I was close to seeing this company in new light, but my perfectly owned instincts right all along should have never doubted myself keep this company at an arm's length because they do not know what they're doing and we can talk about whether we think that was triple h's call to make have roman reigns go over like that we can talk about whether it was vince mcmahon's call to have roman reigns go over like that the point is is that they blew a perfect chance to actually tell a story and to actually create one of those moments that they absolutely that they always want to talk about how they're they make moments they put smiles on faces I don't you want to know what didn't put smiles on faces the sixty six thousand people leaving the arena in shock because Roman Reigns won via interference and and that's the thing the finish to this match fucking sucked okay. You do all this stuff, you get you get solo ejected from ringside, and then you get the Usos get run off by Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens in this great spot. And it's like, okay, Roman's down. He, he doesn't have, you know, any of his allies anymore. It's just him and Paul Heyman, and his family's been ejected or run off. And then what happens? Solo Sokoa just comes back out. I guess he was wearing a towel over his head. Like, like honestly, the towel over his head or whatever he was wearing was like worse than if he just didn't wear anything because it didn't conceal him at all. It looked like the laziest kind of way to be sneaky, which I don't know, maybe that was the point, but it looked terrible. Paul Heyman's up with the entrance. Solo Sokoa hits the Samoan spike, which I don't know, have we retconned the Samoan spike? I know that I think Umaga's career is underappreciated and that he was a really excellent worker for his size and he had a very limited uh, run at the top of WWE. But I think a lot of people kind of have said, you know, Umaga was underrated and Umaga was a guy that could have been so much bigger if things had shaped out a little bit differently for him. Um, but his finisher is terrible. It's like a guy tapes up his thumb and like supposedly like jabs it into someone's neck. Like that shit sucked. And it was one of the worst finishers when I was a kid. And it's one of the worst finishers now. But inexplicably, it's now like the super dangerous thing. It's like the RKO. It's like, oh my God, he hit him with the Samoan spike. Stupid. Um but he hits him with that, then Roman hits one spear and then wins. And it's like it's like the finish to a house show match where you can't do a title switch because it's a house show, so you have to have the babyface lose and the heel cheats and things like that. And it wasn't even creative. This is the main event of WrestleMania. You know you're taking some sort of risk in having Cody Rhodes lose. And you come up with just this boring finish. That's That's the best that Booker of the Year Triple H can come up with as a finish. That's the best the brilliant minds of Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns can come up can come up with as a finish booking genius booking savant hall of fame booker paul Heyman. that's the best he can come up with is solo sokoa runs out with a towel half covering his face hits his shitty finish and then while while Heyman distracts the referee and then roman hits a spear and wins that shit sucked and even if we're not talking about um 
you know, even if this wasn't like Cody Rhodes definitely should have won this match from like a momentum standpoint and from a, an opportunity to make a real moment to create a new star standpoint. Um, just doing a finish where you do, you know, heels run some interference and, you know, they cost Cody Rhodes the match in the main event of WrestleMania. Uh, that's a terrible finish in a vacuum, let alone with all this other stuff going on as far as Cody really being the deserving guy to beat Roman Reigns in this scenario. Um, so that stuff, that stuff is terrible. Um, and then we don't even get into, no, we need to get into something, which is, I don't think a lot of people understand like how big of a star Cody Rhodes has become in WWE. And I think that's kind of muted some of the criticism of this decision. I know people are really hard on it, but I have been reading people uh, and seeing tweets and seeing these things where people don't seem to understand what happened here. Because some people seem to think that Roman Reigns in the bloodline is like this ultra hot thing that needs to be protected at all costs. And WWE couldn't take the title off of Roman Reigns here because he's just so fucking red hot. And it would be foolish to take the title off of him. Okay? That that seems to be the belief. And that's the story WWE presents, right? WWE presents Roman Reigns. He's on this legendary title run. There's no one like him. He's the greatest wrestler of all time. The bloodline's this great thing. And, and the, you know, no one can beat him. Who could beat him? It's this whole package that they sell to people. And people believe it. And I, that's the point, right? The, the wrestling company is supposed to sell a storyline to the audience. But people who, like, sh are, 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 should know better are kind of falling for this kayfabe, you know, title run as this all-time great thing that you can't disrupt. When the reality is, if you examine the business, is that Roman Reigns and the Bloodline is not this ultra-hot thing. If you want to look at ratings going up and you want to look at live attendance going up and you want to look, want to look at merchandise sales, Cody Rhodes is the person who's doing a lot of this. Cody Rhodes is the big star. Cody Rhodes is the red hot guy that needs to win this match and needs to be protected. You don't have to, you know, protect Roman Reigns in the bloodline. That's not the star in this scenario. The star is Cody Rhodes. And I was reading this article from The Ringer this morning. And this is by Phil Schneider. And I, and I like Phil. I respect his opinion. Um, I know it can be hard on the ringer from, you know, but I, but Phil in general, I respect. He thinks about wrestling a little bit differently than me, but I can respect, uh, you know, his thoughts on things. And he wrote this. This is just a small segment, but he wrote about why he supported the finish. He supported the idea of Roman Reigns beating um, Cody Rhodes. And he writes, quote, with how great the bloodline story has been over the past several years. They deserve a chance to wrap it up in a clean way. Cody was always a bit of a usurper. He kind of shoehorned his way into the story in the last couple of months, quivering his lip and talking about Dusty, and the crowd cheered him on. But he doesn't make sense as the next top star. We have seen what uncut top guy Rhodes looks like, and by the end of his time in AEW, the fans were begging for something else. I don't think a torn peck... A Royal Rumble win and a couple of weeks of promos have put him in the position to get the big win. That was never the story the company was telling. All right, Phil is completely wrong here. And part of it, I agree with him. I agreed with him up to an extent. Clearly, Phil doesn't like Cody Rhodes that much. And, you know, clearly wasn't sold on Cody as, as a top babyface act. But the idea that, you know, you know, the idea that Cody... uh isn't, you know, 
the right guy to win this match, right? That Cody doesn't make sense as the next top star. Okay, that's a stupid thing to say. doesn't make sense as the next top star because Cody already is the next top star. He's already the next top guy in WWE, whether that was the plan or not, whether that was the story the company was telling or not. Cody is the biggest baby face this company has had since John Cena. Okay, he's the biggest, you know, Sami Zayn had a really hot run too, and he's still hot to a degree. And obviously leading up to Elimination Chamber, you can make the case that Sami was actually the biggest star in the company. But really, Cody is the biggest star in the company. And there's a lot of evidence that suggests that he is. And so, and people don't understand that. People are fed the WWE storyline, which is the bloodline is great. And because the way Roman Reigns is protected and presented, people believe that Roman Reigns is the biggest star in the company. And to a degree, he definitely is. But if we're looking at the business, if we're looking at who should be elevated into this slot, who deserves to beat Roman Reigns, who should beat Roman Reigns, the answer is Cody Rhodes, okay? You could certainly have made a case for Sami Zayn a few, you know, last month at Elimination Chamber because it was his hometown and it really was a great story that they told of him trying to get his revenge on, on Roman after kicking him out of the bloodline and everything that went on with that. But if you're looking at this from a business perspective, Cody is the guy you pick. And I've got some evidence to kind of hammer this home to people who maybe aren't paying attention and don't understand this. So let's start first with ratings. Ratings are really messy and there's a lot of noise in them, but I'm going to go over them briefly here. Raw in quarter one of 2023. That's Cody's show. Remember, Cody's show is Raw. Roman's show is SmackDown. In 18 to 49 for quarter one, Raw is up 13% year over year. SmackDown is up 7% over year over year. So SmackDown's up. And, you know, again, that's a, that's good for Roman Reigns' status as a drawing card. And it's good for Sami Zayn and the people that are on SmackDown. But Raw, the Cody Rhodes show, is up 13% year over year. Okay? In quarter four, without, without Cody Rhodes on Raw, Raw was down 3% year over year. So WWE has seen tremendous growth since Cody Rhodes has come back. Uh, from his injury at the Royal Rumble. And that's reflected in the 18 to 49 numbers for quarter one of 2023, okay? And again, that's ratings. It's it's no, it's no it's very noisy. There's only so much we can draw from it, but we can see that Cody Rhodes has made a really big impact um, in terms of ratings, which again, are kind of the most important thing for WWE because that's where their most money is made. So Cody is doing better than Roman when it comes to ratings, okay? Let's talk about merchandise because this is really interesting. So Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics does this whole study, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in an episode of WrestleNomics, where he looked at all of the wrestlers and acts in WWE and kind of listed them by the number of items that they had in the WWEshop.com daily top 10. And each week he kind of ranked them based on how many items they had in that daily top 10 and would rank them one through 10. And so he has this going back to the start of the year. But if we go back to... January 22nd, which is, you know, right before the week of January 22nd, which is right before Cody Rhodes comes back from injury. He, he's really, he's, you know, he's second on January, in the week of January 8th in the company. John Cena was first, you know, Cody Rhodes was second. Kevin Owens was third that week. Um, but let's, let's focus on when he comes back from injury. Cause that's when, you know, he rolls out a new shirt and he's actually on screen kind of hawking his merchandise. So, the week of January 22nd, Cody Rhodes is ranked number three uh, in the top 10, daily top 10. Roman Reigns is not listed at all. He's not in the top 10 at all. 
Now, keep in mind that Roman Reigns in this study, anything that has the bloodline in its merchandise is getting accredited to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is getting a piece of that credit if he's selling, whether whether it's Uso shirt, whether it's an honorary Uso shirt from Sami Zayn, it's all going to Roman Reigns because he's the bloodline guy, which, which makes sense. I'm not disputing that aspect of the study. So on the week of January 22nd, Cody Rhodes is number three. Roman Reigns isn't even ranked in the top 10. The following week, January 29th, Cody Rhodes is number one. He's the number one top merch seller in the entire company. The next week, February 5th, Cody Rhodes, number one top merch seller as, based on the kind of items in the day of the top 10. But we're going to use that as a euphemism for being the top merch seller in the company. Cody Rhodes is number one February 2nd or the, the week of February 5th. Next week, week of February 12th, Cody Rhodes, number one. Next week, week of February 19th, Cody Rhodes, number one. Next week, week of February 26th, Cody Rhodes, number one. He slides back down to number two on March, the week of March 3rd and the week of March 12th. He falls behind Stone Cold Steve Austin. That has to do with this whole 316-day shirt thing that they rolled out um, and the sale that they had on March 16th. So he falls behind Stone Cold Steve Austin number two for number two for those weeks in March. But in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes is easily the highest, biggest merch seller for WWE. Easily. He's number one. Uh, for almost half the weeks that he's there and the weeks that he's not number one, he's number two, okay? Roman Reigns is number two behind Cody Rhodes um, for the week of February 5th, the week of February 12th, and the week of February 19th. And then after that, you know, he's number six. The next week after that, he's number five, he's number four. So Roman Reigns is, is, is in the top 10 here, but Cody Rhodes is easily the biggest merch seller in the company. Sami Zayn's right behind him, especially for that stretch from January 29th to February 19th, where, you know, they were really heating up the, the bloodline feud in his match at Elimination Chamber. Um, but Cody is the biggest merch seller, okay? Again, this is all evident. This is gathered by Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics, and you can find this for yourself um, on the episode of WrestleNomics where we discussed it, which I believe was two weeks ago. Um, but Cody's the biggest merch seller in the company. It's not really close, and he's selling a lot more merch than Roman Reigns. What's even more impressive about that, and I'm not going to talk that much longer about merch, but if we go by the number of different items that people have for available on WWE Shop, Roman Reigns slash The Bloodline has almost three times as many items as Cody Rhodes has at their respective peaks. Cody Rhodes has about 55, maybe 60 items for sale at his peak. You know, you can get a Cody Rhodes socks, you can get a Cody Rhodes shirt, you can get a Cody Rhodes hat, you can get all this stuff. Roman Reigns and The Bloodline at their peak have over 160 items available. So Roman Reigns and the Bloodline have a lot more merchandise on sale, much more different things you can buy. If you're the ultimate Bloodline fan or ultimate Roman Reigns fan, you can buy an entire wardrobe of his clothing. Um, and despite having way more stuff, and despite being by far the most protected and, and highly presented person in the entire company, Cody Rhodes is beating Roman Reigns badly when it comes to merchandise sales in the months leading up to WrestleMania which is really the only fair time to judge because Cody wasn't on TV for months and months before. But once Cody returned to TV, he's easily the biggest merch seller in WWE. And he's doing so despite having way fewer items for sale than Roman Reigns. So that's another thing in favor of Cody Rhodes. Okay, let's talk live attendance. Okay, live attendance is probably the best barometer because it doesn't fluctuate that much year to year the way maybe television ratings do. And there's not as much noise as when we talk about merchandise because we don't have to deal with 
you know, items for sale or Roman Reigns getting attributed for bloodline items or things like that. Let's just look at raw attendance, okay? In, in for quarter one of 2023, WWE's live, atten live event attendance was on average 9,937. Previous year for quarter one, 2022, it was 6,628. So live attendance for quarter one for WWE appears to be up about 30, 33% over year one. That's with Cody. So Cody, and remember, Roman doesn't, he's not on every Raw and SmackDown for sure. And he's working almost no house shows. But Cody, on the other hand, is working a lot of house shows. And obviously he wasn't on any of the shows before he returned to the Royal Rumble. But for the remaining, you know, week or so in January, then all through February and all through March, Cody was on pretty much every major, you know, he was on a lot of the Raw and SmackDowns and he was on a lot of the house shows. So Co Cody's presence really contributes a lot to the attendance growth that WWE sees from quarter one last year to quarter one this year. It's up about 30%. There's even, uh, Brandon Thurston did a great job doing market to market comparisons for WWE events in 2023 compared to their most recent events. Maybe some for some of those events, it was in 2022. Some of them it was in 2021. But he compares, you know, what did WWE do in this town compared to the last time they were there? And he also identified the shows that Cody was on. And you can see that Cody makes a really big difference on some of these house show numbers. Uh, you know, you can look at you know, he was at he was on a show in New York City, a house show at Madison Square Garden on March 12th. It was up. He drew 11,000 fans to that. He That was up 27% from the last time WWE was there, which was a house show right after Christmas, which is traditionally one of the biggest drawing house shows of the year for WWE. Yet Cody is on this new show that's not at the traditional, you know, day after Christmas show that they have at Madison Square Garden. And Cody is drawing 27% more fans than they did the previous year. So that's, and that's just one example. You know, you can look at another Rockford, Illinois on, on February 26th, up 25% from the last house show that they ran there because of Cody. Champaign, Illinois, the next day, up also up 25% year over year next year because of Cody. So you can look at some of these house shows and you can see this jump in attendance and who's the constant? It's Cody. It's not Roman. Roman's not even on most of these house shows. In fact, here's a good one. Let's go to, let's go to March 4th. Ro Roman actually works a house show. He works in, he works in Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada on March 4th. People remember this. He was added to the show with like, I think two weeks to go. And then I think in the week leading up to it, they announced that Roman was going to be wrestling Sami Zayn for the world title. They were going to run back the match at Elimination Chamber at the show. That show draws 7,177 people. Actually less than the previous house show, which was on um, this uh, December 30th of last year, which drew 7,724 people. So it was down 7% from the previous year. So the, the one house show that I think Roman worked in 2023 was down compared to the last house show that they ran in the same market. And then that show, he was wrestling Sami Zayn, his hottest opponent in theory, for the world title. That didn't mean anything for them, apparently, because they drew less than they did previously. Cody Rhodes wasn't on that show. Where was Cody Rhodes? Cody Rhodes 
was in Trenton, New Jersey. Now, that was the day after the Toronto show. But Cody Rhodes was in Trenton, New Jersey, where he drew 6,809 people to a house show in New Jersey, which is, yes, that is less than the number in Toronto. But we have to remember that Toronto is approximately, I think, 20 times the size of Trenton, New Jersey. And I know Trenton is maybe in the New York and Philadelphia metro area, so it's not quite in the boonies. But Toronto is a major, major you know, city for WWE. And the fact that Cody, in Cody's not, he doesn't have the world title to help him draw, and he doesn't have an opponent like Sami Zayn with a great, you know, long feud to draw with. You know, he's wrestling Finn Balor on the show in Trenton, New Jersey, and he draws within 300 people of the show in Toronto in the market that's 20 times the size of Trenton, New Jersey. The Cody show is up 85% year over year from the last time WWE ran in Trenton, New Jersey, which was that previous May. 85% because of Cody. Roman's not on the show. You know, Sami Zayn wasn't on that show. The Usos aren't on that show. Roman's wrestling Finn Balor on that show. Up 85% year over year. Meanwhile, the one house show Roman Reigns is working. It's down 7% year over year. Okay, so, and I lay all this out to kind of push back on this idea that Roman Reigns like had to win because this is the hottest storyline in the history of wrestling. It's not. WWE's hot because of Cody. Cody's the person that needed to be protected in that match. And Cody is the person that needed to have that big moment. And that's why the fans were mad afterwards. Because they know that investment they have is in Cody winning the title. There are obviously Roman Reigns fans out there that were happy that he won. But when Brian Alvarez talks about how he left that arena and everyone just was solemnly walking to their cars and they emptied out immediately afterwards because they just saw another bullshit Roman Reigns uh, defense of his title and Cody didn't win, it's because of that. Because Cody is this big star for WWE. And Cody is the person who's raising you know, a house show attendance 85% from the last time they were there. It's because of Cody. It's not because of Roman. It's not because of the bloodline. Cody was the person that needed to be valued in that match. Cody was the person who needed to have the story told about them. And so all of that happens. And it leads to, you know, this 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 hilarious, all the memes come out, all this hilarious stuff comes out you know, the hours after, you know, WrestleMania ends. It's, it's, it's an exciting time to be a fan. It's exciting time to be someone who's very online like me. And then the next day, it it just gets even better. It just it just gets even better. Because then we have this raw show. And you know, we had gotten we get we get, first of all, we get this whole thing about WWE being sold and Vince is on CNNBC and he's being interviewed by um, you know, with Air, with uh, Area Manual, and we get this whole thing about Vince is going to be, you know, basically fully back in charge of WWE. He's going to be running the company. He's going to be, you know, he was very hands on at WrestleMania Night Two. So we know Vince is kind of back in the role. And we had been, this has been hinted to us if you've been paying attention. Certainly, my listeners have been paying attention. Certainly, a lot of people have been paying attention, but a lot of people also have not. But we've talked about how it went from. You know, the public line being Vince has nothing to do with the company. He's he's gone. And then, of course, he announces his comeback. 
uh, you know, in January of this year, and he's back as a C, you know, he's back as chairman of the board, and he's kind of replaced his enemies on the board with toadies that will do whatever he wants. And then it becomes, oh, Vince is just here to facilitate a sale. He has nothing to do with the creative input of the company. Okay, and then like a month or so goes by, and then suddenly it becomes, you know, rumors. Maybe Vince is, you know, maybe Vince has been going into the office sometimes. You know, maybe Vince is is doing this. Vince shows up backstage. Oh no, he's just there to say hi to John Cena. He wasn't wearing a headset. He wasn't telling people what to do. He's just there to say hi to John Cena. He's not doing anything creative wise. And then kind of the floodgates open up, and then we know that Vince is backstage. We know that Vince is at WrestleMania with a headset on, yelling at people. We know Vince is back. We know Vince is, has the power in the company. And, and and then it gets, you know, it gets formalized. We hear about the sale. We hear about, you know, Vince, you know, is going to be, you know, COO still. He's going to be um, running the company. Triple H is, I guess, for the sake of imagery, is going to be uh, still officially in charge of creative in WWE. But we all know it's Vince. Um so we have that kind of nonsense Shoyden fruit going on leading up to this Raw. And then this Raw starts and Triple H comes out. And Triple H, you know, he's going to cut a promo at the start of the show. They announce Triple H is going to be starting off Raw with, with he's going to talk about something. And people figure it's probably going to be about the sale. It's probably going to be related to that somehow. And he cuts this weird promo where... He thanks the fans. It sounds like he might be going away. And then he he tells us everything is going to be the same. You know, WWE will always be here. Nothing's going to change. I guess they had a meeting with talent earlier in the day where Nick Khan and Triple H both said that nothing is going to change. It's business as usual. And of course, everything changes, right? We got reports today that Raw was a complete mess. Rewrites happening during the show. Vince giving out instructions, changing things during the show, changing matches, pulling matches from the show, adding adding different matches, doing all this stuff, meddling around. It's Vince's show again. And the show gets absolutely murdered by the people watching it, the critics. And I don't even say want to say critics, but just the fans. The reception to that show was absolutely terrible. Um, and the funny thing about it all, Triple H comes out and he cuts this promo. About how, you know, nothing is going to change. Everything's the same. You know, it's going to be great for everyone. Just stay tuned. And then he's just immediately, immediately proven to be a liar. And proven to actually have no idea what he's talking about. Because the show changes. The show feels different. Everything about the show uh, feels like a Vince show. Fans are not sold on it. They openly reject it. And Triple H's dwindling credibility within the company is just completely destroyed because he goes out there and he he basically lies to the fans. Um, and it's just, you know, people are like, I feel bad for Triple H. You know, Triple H, he's been outmaneuvered. Vince just won't go away. Shows were so good under Triple H company was improving so much i was loving it vince's back and made triple h go out there and, and tell the people that everything's fine meanwhile he took a seat backstage and was yelling at people with the headset on i don't feel bad for triple h i don't feel a smidge bad for triple h and there's a lot of reasons for that but the two main reasons i would say 
are the first is Triple H knows what kind of industry he's in and he knows what kind of person Vince McMahon is. And when you go into a room with a snake, you're going to get bit. Triple H knows that. He knew he was playing kind of a dangerous game, you know, being involved in resting power away from Vince McMahon. And now, now he's running the whole show and he's got his own little fiefdom and he's so happy that he's he's got rid of that old man, Vince. Of course, Vince used all of his leverage, owning all of the voting stock in the company to muscle his way back into a position of prominence and then was able to secure a sale, which now puts him firmly back in charge of WWE. See you later, Triple H. You know, Triple H voted for Vince McMahon to come back. The board of directors voted unanimously in January in support of re-electing Vince McMahon as the chairman of the board. Triple H voted for Vince McMahon to come back. So why would I feel bad for Triple H? He made the decision. He let Vince McMahon back in his company. He supported it. I don't feel bad for Triple H. I think it's funny. I think it's funny that this guy who had the arrogance in the press conference uh, after night two of WrestleMania when someone asked him, um, you know, what was up with the finish? Why did Cody lose to Roman Reigns? And he kind of smirked and he said, it's always interesting when people say, why did you end it like that? Why did you do this? Why did the finish like that? The story never ends. You know, the story, we're going to come back out on Raw tomorrow night and there's going to be a new chapter in the story. This is the end of one chapter. You guys just got to stay tuned. You want to know the story's ending for? It's Triple H real soon. Story's going to end for him because he's not in charge of WWE anymore. He's not running creative anymore. If he's got an ending in mind for this Roman Reigns feud, and I have no idea if he actually does, that ending ain't coming anymore because it's Vince McMahon's show. Triple H will be lucky if he's sent back to NXT to run to, to run things with Shawn Michaels. He might just be kept uh, around on the main roster as kind of a public spokesperson pretending to be creative for the company. And I'm not like a huge fan of Triple H's creative in the sense that I don't think he's like a booking genius or anything, but he was clearly much better than Vince McMahon at it. And he clearly had the show going in a positive direction. And he clearly was able to deliver some storylines and finishes that were well-received at WrestleMania. But, and, and so that degree, like, okay, WWE's in a worse spot for, for that. And now, if Triple H is going to be, quote-unquote, still in charge of creative, like he's presented at the moment, He's going to get all the criticism, or he should get all the criticism, at least the public-facing criticism, for what will certainly be a series of ineptitude decisions made by Vince McMahon in regards to the creative of the company. And that's perhaps starting with having Brock Lesnar kill Cody Rhodes. And obviously that was something that people hated for two reasons. The first is that they advertised this, what should have been a really big match, which was Cody Rhodes tagging with Brock Lesnar, taking on Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns in the main event of Raw. Should have been a huge match. And obviously, they just totally didn't do it. Brock turns on him before the bell even rings, beats up Cody, beats him up for like 10 or 15 minutes and leaves him laying. And so obviously, fans are, are kind of mad that they didn't get to see the actual big match that was promised to them, which again is a classic Vince Stable, which is a little bait and switch. But... The big thing with that, and you could say in a vacuum, it's that it's good for Cody, right? It's good for Cody that, you know, he's going to get to feud with Brock Lesnar. He'll get to beat Brock for sure, right? He'll beat Brock and he'll get him a big win. He'll get him back on track after losing at WrestleMania. But 
that isn't what the fans want to see. The, as as the re- same reason they're upset at the end of WrestleMania 39. The same reason they're upset after the Brock Lesnar beat down on Raw. It's not what they want to see. They want to see Cody Rhodes win. They want to see Cody Rhodes be booked and presented as a top star. They want to see Cody Rhodes win that world title and be the champion babyface. WWE can't give it to them because they're fucking stupid. And Vince is insane and is totally disconnected with what fans want. And it's been that way for years. And now he's back in charge. And for me, I just sit back and I have to, I have to laugh at this. Um, you know, you know, the funny thing is, is that I've kind of always been a little bit of the belief. I didn't think the shows were that different with Triple H in charge versus when Vince McMahon was in charge. There were focuses here and there. There was less stuff being changed week to week, which helped to tell more um, comprehensive stories. But each individual show itself was not that different. There was still a lot of Vince McMahon fingerprints on it. There's still a lot of Vince humor. There's still a lot of segments that felt like they were written entirely to pop Vince. Um, mainly because for a lot of the creative people there, that's that's what they know. That's how how they what they understand to promote pro wrestling as they have spent their careers booking for Vince McMahon. And even if he's not there, they still think that booking for Vince McMahon is the right way to do things because that's all they know. But I didn't think the shows were that different. But what happened was the optics of Vince McMahon no longer being in charge and Triple H being in charge was seen as a very good thing for WWE. It was seen as, you know, fan optimism, which had been really destroyed under Vince and with good reason because he was terrible at delivering on expectations, giving fans what they want. You know, despite that, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the optics of it were because Triple H was in charge and whether or not Triple H made big changes or not, there was some extra optimism there for fans that, you know, oh, Triple H is in charge. Now, if someone gets over organically and we cheer for somebody like Sami Zayn, that person's going to get put in a prominent spot or they're going to follow through with this thing that they teased so we can get we can get into it because we think there's actually going to be a real follow up to it. All these things that they lost under Vince McMahon, just merely announcing Triple H is in charge, not Vince McMahon, merely doing that was able to get a lot of fans much more enthusiastic about the prog, uh, about the process. And immediately, one show where it's kind of clear that Vince McMahon is officially back in charge, and immediately the fans turn on the product. This Monday Night Raw on Cage Match, it has right now I'm looking at it, it has 289 votes. It has a zero. a 0.52 on cage match and is cage march like smart heavy yes but cage match i think has been a good you know barometer for where fans view wwe because you could see when triple h took over the the ratings for these shows went up so fans at least in the limited size that we see on cage match we're into the Triple H era. We, the shows went from getting, you know, four and fives each week from the fan base to getting seven and eights each week once Triple H took over. And then immediately, oh, Vince is back in charge. And I know the show was bad last night, so I'm not saying it's disingenuous. But as soon as fans found out Vince was back in charge, right back down the tubes. 
0.52 on cage match. Okay, right now, as of as of this recording, that rating 0.52 for the episode of Monday Night Raw is, I believe, the third worst rating for any show ever in the history of cage match that they have. They have thousands of shows on here. Okay. In Monday Night Raw, the first Raw with Vince really formally back in charge is the third worst show in the history of pro wrestling. Okay. The only two worse than it in the ratings was the infamous 1999 Heroes of Wrestling show, which is kind of like a legendary bad show in the annals of pro wrestling history. And the absolute worst show, sporting a mighty 0.28 rating, is this episode of NXT from 2010, which I guess included zero wrestling, which is an hour of no wrestling. I don't know what was on the show besides the no wrestling, but because there's no card, because there's no wrestling, I can't tell you what exactly was on it. But those are the only two shows worse than Monday Night Raw, according to Cage Match. And this episode of Monday Night Raw has a lot more votes than Heroes of Wrestling or NXT. It's possible that with more people voted on this, they might give one a one or a two, and it might pop this thing over the, 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 the Monday Night Raw rating. But this show's got a 0.52. That means that 225 people out of the 289 people who voted on this, 225 of them gave them a zero rating. It didn't get a one, it didn't get a two, it didn't get a three, it got a zero rating from these people. Okay, that's a small sample size to, you know, 289 people. But again, this is a show, this is a, a, a website and a fan base on Cage Match that's been, I think, pretty fair to WWE, especially in the last year. They've been pretty positive on WWE in the past year. WWE as a company has a 7.87 rating this year in 2023. So they're not down on WWE as a whole, but this Raw, they were down on. And was this Raw bad? Yes. Was it the third worst wrestling show ever presented? I, I kind of doubt it. Doubt that. There's plenty of probably worst wrestling shows out there. But because of the optics of Vince McMahon coming back and taking control of the company, fans were immediately out on it. And I've just seen it antidotally that a lot of fans who watched WrestleMania and thought WrestleMania was really good up until that main event, and then tuned in out of curiosity for Raw. Some of it was to see what would happen with WWE after the sale. Some of it was to see how would they react and follow up to Roman Reigns beating Cody Rhodes. The people that I've seen antidotally are like, I was out on WWE and I'm back out again. I can't believe this is what they're doing. I can't believe Vince has screwed things up. I can't believe they're doing this to Cody. I can't believe that they're presenting this kind of show. It's terrible. And I'm out again. So we'll see. Now the Raw after WrestleMania did a massive rating last night. No, it did the highest 18 to 49 that they've done since 2020. I believe it did the highest total viewers since the 30th anniversary show earlier this year, which was a huge outlier in itself. So will those people stick around? Will they stick around to see what's going to happen to Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar? Will they stick around to see, you know, what's going to happen with Vince McMahon running Raw some more? Will there be a curiosity there? Be really interesting to see because WWE gained a lot of momentum over the last year. And they certainly gained a lot of momentum over the last quarter, led by Cody Rhodes' prominence, as I meant, as I detailed earlier. But we're going to see if that momentum that they gained, if they're going to burn that right off. And they're off to a hell of a start over the last 48 hours. They had the wrong finish at the end of WrestleMania and then this terrible Raw show. Be interesting to see what they see, do, see on SmackDown. Be interesting to see what they do on Raw next week as far as ratings go. 
but they're off to a bad start. And I just, I think back to where it was, you know, during night two of WrestleMania, just thinking, man, you know, maybe this, maybe this company isn't as bad as I thought it was. How foolish of a thought that was. They're actually even worse. And I will say, and I'll end with this in the sense that I have to laugh at this. And then I have to feel positive about this in a way, because realistically, in the real in the real world, this has been a tough week in the sense of Vince McMahon, who is a bad person, who is alleged to have committed many different crimes, including several different versions of sexual assaults and sexual misconduct. And someone who has allegedly covered up murders, someone who, uh, you know, was he settled out of court, but was likely to be felt, you know, found responsible for the death of Owen Hart. He's done many, many bad things in this in his life, and you know he's largely escaped justice. We thought we might have had a, had some justice last year when he resigned in shame, but found his way back into the company. Now he's back in charge, and you know sponsors don't seem bothered by it. He just sold his company to to merge with Endeavor, and uh, he's going to be richer than ever. He's going to be more powerful than ever. He didn't lose. So there's no justice for Vince McMahon in the real world. There's no justice for someone who has committed so many crimes and has been so detestable as a person. Someone who can show up on CNNBC and give an interview and say, I've made many mistakes, but I've owned up to all of them and not meet a, even a modicum of pushback from mainstream media. Someone that can do all these things and, you know, the most, you know, most wrestling media seems to be focused on the fact that he has a mustache. And don't care that this guy who's committed many sexual assaults and things like that um, is back in power and seems to be unrepentant, unapologetic about any of it. You know, that's tough. It's tough to be a fan of pro wrestling and to be a fan of the industry and to, to want the pro wrestling industry to be better and to see that stuff happen. Doesn't make me feel good about the industry. So I want to take this little solace in laughing at the last 48 hours of WWE and laughing at seeing Triple H have to go out there, cut a promo, try to rally the troops. Nothing's going to change. Things are going to be the same. Only to see Vince hand wave him, rip up his script, change a bunch of things. And now he's back in the big seat. Stuff's just funny. It's the best way to watch it. Like I said, if I was an emotionally invested WWE fan, I don't know how I'd be handling it because it would probably hurt a lot because the product is better under Triple H. But because I'm not, I you know I just have to laugh, just have to enjoy the ride. It's been a really interesting last 48 hours. It's probably going to be a really interesting next 48 hours. It's probably going to be a really interesting next year, not only in WWE but across the world in pro in pro wrestling. Thanks for everyone who's been listening to this. See y'all next time. Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? 
If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.